praise Him. A great God is worthy of great praise. If God's just done a little bit for you, give Him a little bit of praise. But if God has done great things for you, a great God is worthy of great praise. like him nobody like him it's an honor and a privilege to be in the house of the lord it's good to see all of you here tonight brother kyle has a special guest and why not how do you do nice to meet you and uh i'm really shy so kyle will say hi for me okay praise god but uh to all of our visitors, friends, guests, saints of God, God bless each and every one of you. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. This is a great turnout for the weather we're having. Now, in California, this would, this would cause an epidemic of panic. People would board up their windows, and, and uh, the, the interstate would be clogged with automobiles trying to escape the scourge of God. But up here, we feel blessed. And... Uh, this is a hearty group of people, and uh, it's great to see each and every one of you in Jesus' name. This Sunday, what Brother Chris did not mention, this family camp is, is, is going to be fabulous. But the only thing that I'm really looking for that he didn't mention is they also have a Starbucks. And I'm, I'm of the age where I just want a Starbucks, a huge sombrero, and I'm going to go sit by the river. Somebody said, praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time. Brother Cody Marks is bringing his entire family. And uh, he, Brother Chris just touched the service. There's zip lining. There, I, there's more stuff than we can, we can even get into. They've got it all, like he said. And we're going to have fabulous church while we're there. It's going to be a great time. Um, this Sunday, Brother Ari Prado will be preaching. And uh, you want to be inviting people out. Uh, Brother Prado always brings the mail. True man of God. Uh, he hears from God. And you will be blessed in Jesus' name. And then uh, next Tuesday, we will be having service instead of Monday. It will be again next Tuesday. So we're looking forward to having a great time. I'd like to direct your attention tonight to the book of Exodus, chapter number 3. Um, as I, in my preliminary remarks... On Sunday, I said, you know, I've been waiting a long time to do this, but I had to wait till Brother Brother Cox is on a cruise, of all places. And um, while he's on a cruise, we are enjoying snowflakes and the presence of God. And um, But I have been looking forward to this break of him in revival. We've been in revival with him for over three months now. 
and um, or just about three months. And I really felt like I needed to bring some things to the table. Um, if for nothing, no other reason, to just shine the headlights a little further down the gravel road and and let us know that where we're going as a congregation. It's why we talk about Sunday. We're going to talk about some things tonight, and then we will wrap up at least this series of subject matter uh, next Tuesday. And so drawing your attention to the book of Exodus, chapter number 3. We're going to start reading in verse number 19. If you got it, say amen. The Bible says, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people, talking about the Jews, the ghetto folks from Goshen, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. We talked about that on Sunday. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, the spoiling was a family affair. It was not just for the moms and dads. It was the plan and the will of God that the spoiling of the Egyptians was a family affair. We talked about this on Sunday, and I, I can't help it. We're going to probably talk a little bit more about that because this is a series that we're talking about. But I want to talk to us tonight about the purpose of the spoil. The purpose of the spoil. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for all of these that are here tonight. Pray that the word of the Lord would give us strength and guidance. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Give you all the praise, all the glory. We love you. We ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As we talked about on Sunday, they were to put the spoil on their children, not just to be mules for this stuff, but I believe that there was a greater reason that their children came in contact with these precious items, some of which they had never even seen these things before, except among the Egyptians. Egyptians were wealthy. They were the preeminent culture in the world at this time. And as we talked about on Sunday, God, in a very special moment of time, gave his people incredible favor. Now, as we also talked about on Sunday, there were some people that opted out of spoiling the Egyptians because they could not overcome their hatred of the Egyptians. The only people that actually got to take advantage of this, that were, were people that said, you know what, these people are horrible, they're nasty, they helped kill my baby boy, um, they beat me with the whips, they, they have spat on us, they, they hate me and I hate them, but I am going to get rid of my hatred 
so that I can take advantage of this opportunity that God has given to me to spoil the Egyptians. Okay? And so, it came out with great substance. We also talked about on Sunday, if you have your Bible still open, I hope you do because we're going to look at a few scriptures um, here tonight. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 15 and verse number 14, this is a prophecy that God gave to Abraham in verse number 14. He said, and also that nation whom they shall serve, talking about Egypt, will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. It was the absolute will of God that God's people go into Egyptian bondage. the absolute will of God. That was the whole, the whole purpose of Joseph was to get him totally centered in the program and the plan of God so that when God would continue to unfold his mosaic of prophecy that his man would be on location and it would further along the plan of God. Isn't it amazing? All of us here tonight are part of a great mosaic of God's plan. That's why you cannot complain and get upset about where you are in life. Because trust me, God is working out something greater. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Word of God tells me that all things work together. Clap your hands and give Him praise. If you believe that, the Word of God has got to become your roadmap for this life. Amen. And so God prophesied, he gave a promise unto Abraham that your children are going to come to this place again. And they're going to come here with great substance. And so although Abraham never saw this, it did in fact happen in the book of Exodus. Let's turn in our Bibles now, picking up tonight in Exodus chapter number twenty. Now, we're going to fast forward here a little bit. Um, the Jews have spoiled the Egyptians. They had the time of the Passover dipping um, their fingers into the blood of a lamb without spot, eating the unleavened bread, putting the blood on the doorpost of their dwelling place, and the death angel passed over. As I mentioned on Sunday, that is the beginning of a tradition that the nation of Israel, the Jews, still observe today, and it's called the Passover. And so the Jews are now on the other side of the Red Sea here in the book of Exodus, chapter number 25. They have now come to a place at the base of Mount Sinai. This is all part of the program of God. And now Moses comes down from spending 40 days and 40 nights with God, and this is what immediately takes place in verse 25, starting in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Okay? They bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. Okay, now the reason why that is so notable is because God knows and Moses knows and the people of God 
know that we've got a bunch of precious stuff that we didn't have that was our own when we were in Egypt. Are you with me out there? Okay? And so God is telling the man of God to tell the people of God. That in and of itself should reveal to us that there is a divine sequence. That God is going to speak to his man and his man is going to speak to us and going to require of us an offering. But not just any kind of an offering. Let's continue to read. Verse number um, 3. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary. That I may dwell among them. According to all that I will show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle. And the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall ye make it. Now you're starting to see the purpose of the spoil. The jewels, the gold, the silver. I can imagine that some of these guys had enough Rolex watches that he would have gone like this with Rolex all the way up. They had gold, they had jewels, they had silver. There were probably some people that were probably becoming intoxicated with this newfound wealth and prosperity. But they didn't understand that God had a purpose for this immediate prosperity. This this purpose for immediate prosperity was not so that we could show ourselves off with the world. Y'all out there? When God allows you to buy a new car, it's it's not so you can rub shoulders with the people at the country club. Well, there ain't nobody saying anything over here. When God allows you to drive, listen, ladies and gentlemen, my first vehicle that I had when I got saved is so banged up, it's in the Smithsonian Institute. It has over a, a mil, half a million miles on it, a Datsun Honeybee. Well, I'm going to tell you, I am driving a beautiful F-150 2014 truck. And what God is trying to tell you by that is if God will do it for me, God will do it for you. Oh, come on, somebody. See, some people have a problem when somebody gets blessed. That's the spirit of competition. That is not from God. That is from the world. You got the wrong motive to even be blessed. In fact, you're probably not blessed. You're having to work extra hours in, in extra places just to make ends meet. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an easier way to do this, and that is to get in tonal alignment with God. Somebody help me out tonight. If you get in alignment with God, God will use you as an example that if God will do it for you, God will do it for everybody. Clap your hands and lift your voice and give him praise. 
And you've always got people say, well, I don't think, I don't think we need all that. Better be careful. You don't want to have to do a lot of apologizing when you start driving around in a new F-150. Well, I don't think we need to live in a house that nice. You better be careful because if you do the will of God, you don't want to have to be backtracking and explaining why you have a house on a hill. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise right now. We're not apologizing for anything. We're going to glorify. We're going to magnify. We're going to give him praise. And if you get in alignment, God will bless your socks off. Pastor, how do you know that? Because when I come here, that's what my pockets look like. Can everybody see that? Can you see that way over there, Brother Seymour? That's a pocket pulled completely out. There's nothing in there. But bless your heart, my wife and I, when we didn't have money, we gave time, we gave effort, we gave burden, we gave tears, we gave desire, and all of us are here tonight by the outcome of the blessing and the divine favor of God. Clap your hands, and God will do it for you. God is not blessed by impoverishment. God is not blessed with... My, my, my. Now this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the backbone of the Old Testament. And it's all built on blessing. But I can just imagine there were people walking around, had earrings on, had gold on. They were acting like, man, I'm, I'm the richest man in camp now. God said, you go ahead and enjoy your day in the sunshine. In just a few days, we're going to take an offering. Everything's great in a service till you say, we're going to take an offering. Not with everybody. Not with everybody. And I just love the way that Brother Chris Earl, this man is blessed. The people that are blessed ain't got a problem with it. The people that struggled from day one are the ones that have a problem with it. If you'll get into alignment, God will use you as a blessing for your earthly family, your next-door neighbors, people on the job. Well, I just don't think God really offered. You don't know the Bible. We are so enculturally bitter, embittered by people that have wealth. That's the spirit that's sweeping through our government today. They want to take from those that have worked hard for it and give it to people that are sitting around on a college campus doing nothing but twiddling their thumb. And that's not our Gonzaga people. So don't, y'all there, you still with me? Thank you. Appreciate you. We've got college people here. If you're in college, say amen. Well, I might wax eloquent then. Our government is moving. There is a socialist, dangerous spirit that has moved into America. And I want to just tell you that God is not a communist. God has favorites. 
don't believe that. I believe I'm one. How many people get to do that? How many people get to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? How many people have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Come on, we need to we need to we need to turn our goosebump machine on tonight. Someone needs some joy juice. You don't get happy unless you get something. I'm going to tell you, we ought to get happy because I know something. I know he loves me. I know he's with me. I know he's in me. I know he'll never leave me. Somebody go ahead and shout with a voice of triumph. You may be seated. And then you have... I've seen a few of these in my day. You have the crisis-oriented Christian. And that's, 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 that's the type of child of God that never really developed a prayer life. And they are the type of people that instead of going from victory to victory, they go from crisis to crisis. And as they look over the backlog of their life, they don't see blood-stained pages. They just see hurts and wounds and problems and misery. Y'all with me? Then you have the folks that, and I talked about this on Sunday. This is a, this is a reality. You have people that adopt. It's a mentality. It's a mentality that says, "I know that God will forgive me." So they end up living from sin to sin, instead of living from victory to victory. See, in Romans chapter twelve, it says, "The renewing of your mind, that you may know that good." and perfect will of God. If you'll get a prayer life and get a walk with God, while other people are going from sin to sin because they don't want to, you're going to suffer either way you look at it. You're either going to suffer by being the victim of your own poor choices and your own mistakes, or you're going to go ahead and pay the price to get a consecrated life and say, where other people stumble, I'm avoiding that. I'm not going there. I don't care who's going there. I ain't going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not partaking of that. I'm not doing in this. And God says, that one right there. That one right there. That one wants to please me. That one. God has favorites. And I'm in this not to win a popularity contest. I'm in this to get all the favor I can. I want to get close to him. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. Clap your hands and give him praise. Why would you be in this if it's not to get more of him? So the nation of Israel, they're just enjoying their moment in the sunshine. Hey, I got more gold than you. There's some people that are drinking lemonade that are looking out of their tent saying, look at all those people. Man, they've got silver, they got gold, they got a Tennessee walking horse. You got gator shoes, and we're sitting in this tent. We didn't come out with nothing except a couple old goats. There's some people that could not overcome their bitterness to partake of the revival of coming out. And so consequently, they're not going to enjoy the blessing of being able to give.
so God tells Moses, all right, I want you to go down and take an offering of gold, brass, silver, precious stones, purple, silk, dyed ramskins, etc., etc., wood. But I don't want you to just take an offering. Because this is going to be to build a sanctuary. I don't want people to give with regret. I don't want people to give with resentment. I don't want to give want people to give in questioning leadership. I don't want that. You get right out there and tell them. Everybody that wants to do this willingly. And so there were some households where the mom and dad said, now, honey, you remember that, you know, we put this gold on you and you were in that Egyptian's house and um, silver. Well, you know what? We're all going to give as a family. And the children learned to give by watching their mom and dad. Their mom and dad had a smile on their face and said, this is the God that brought us out with a strong hand. This is the God that came down with thundering and lightning. This is the God of the miraculous. Let's clap our hands. God was allowing people to get the revelation that we received to give. And it wasn't just so the priest could walk around with some fancy clothing. It was so that they could build a habitation for the presence of a limitless God. Hallelujah. Same chapter here. No, I apologize. We're moving to Exodus 35. Exodus 35 and verse 4 and 5. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commands, saying, Take ye from among you an offering of the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, etc., 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 etc. All the way down to verse number 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. They all went back to their tents. And look at verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up. Everyone that received an understanding and felt a burden 
to be a part of God's plan. It didn't say everybody. It didn't say everybody's going to get on board. Do you know why we're doing this? Let me tell you why we're doing this. Because this building is going to be transformed into a Christian academy. And we are going to end up buying the building across the street. I'm not going to wait until we're putting out chairs. We're get, there's been a couple Sundays we, I felt like we're going to get pretty close to that. But we get, still got a few gaps in these pews. But see, a wise leader does not wait and start from square one until that late in the game. The wise leader says, if you've seen, okay, let's do it this way. If you were in the building on Broadway, I want you to stand. I would say there's at least another half seated, wouldn't you? Look around. Look in this section right here. I'd say there's about half seated of what's standing. If God has done this, what will God do when we're in a building that can seat 1,500? You got to have a willing heart. You got to have a heart that says, I want to see what God can do. I want to be a part of what God can do. You may be seated. Clap your hands and give God the praise right now. You see, this, this is our fourth building. That'll be number five. Every single one of our buildings has been a building program, which meant there were modifications um, made with each, with each leap. And it always required us to financially stretch. But you got to get a revelation that the miracle is in the stretch. See, if you're not ever willing to stretch, then God can't pick up the gap between as far as you can go and where the goal is. God ain't going to bless nobody with their hands folded, legs folded, and their eyes crossed. That's for our university folks. What does that mean? I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. My wife is my interpreter, okay? And if she says, honey, that was mean, then I want to make, I'm, listen, I'm wide open. I don't have a problem apologizing. I didn't mean anything by that. Sometimes I cross my eyes. I'm pastoring too long. Every stage of Cornerstone, it's been the previous group that sacrificed for the next group. See, it's God's way that the few sacrifice for the many. So you folks, half, half the group that's sitting here tonight, you're going to have the opportunity to give for the people that aren't yet here. Here's my favorite mayoism. Why not? Pastor, you're 64. You ought to be thinking about retirement. You ought to be working on your putting, your putting score. 
I am going to go until I cannot go anymore. And if there's another building beyond that one, we're going for it. You see, if somebody didn't have a vision, there wouldn't be a summit conference. If nobody had a vision, we wouldn't be in this building here tonight. If nobody had a vision, we wouldn't have SOTAD. If nobody had a vision, we wouldn't have Bible quizzing. If nobody had a vision... See, flesh, carnality seeks its own level. That's why there's, there's so many people that, that are willing to agree with you when you do something carnally. But when you step out, Brother Loomis, and say, you know what, we're, we're going to take the leap. Sometimes I feel like I'm looking for Tonto. And about ready to scream, high o silver. I remember one time we were... We were in our second uh, facility. It was on Sprague Avenue. We took a, um, a place where they had taught beauticians and, and all that kind of stuff. We completely transformed it into a 3,000 square foot, about 3,400 square feet. Um, it was triple the money of our very first building. And we, our congregation was, was about 60 or better. And... I could see that the momentum of this thing, we, we're going to need to do something. I got a call from a realtor that said, uh, Pastor, there is a church that is coming up for sale. It's not even on the market, but I just caught wind of it. It's coming up for sale. It's an Episcopalian church. And he said, um, I think you and your group can get it. This was the same guy that when we got our very first 700 square foot, we started um, our very first church, in, it was half the size, it was less than half the size of this platform. And we outgrew it in a year. And the guy, uh, his name is Gary McWilliams, First Real Estate Services. And I'll never forget, my wife and I were there, my three-year-old son and my one-year-old daughter, who's now a pastor's wife, was there. And he was signing the lease agreement. How you doing? Love you. We got the grandkids all week. I need special prayer. <laughs> Don't laugh. Pray. Somebody's saying, <laughs> I can hardly wait to see this. We'll do just fine. They're a great kid. But this real, real estate agent came in like some swath of gravy. He looked at my wife and I and just kind of jeered and said, you know, I really hate to do this to you guys. You look like such a great couple. And he kept writing. He, he looked up at me and said, you sure you want to do this? I said, yeah. And he kept going. He said, man, I feel bad doing this to you. I said, what? what's the problem? He said, do you know how many of these I have seen? Some precious couple says we're going to start a church. They come in. They lease a room. They lease a building. And the whole thing falls flat. And I looked right at him and I said, we're not falling flat. In fact, when we dedicated this building over four years ago, I sent a personal invitation to Gary McWilliams because I wanted to see that we went from a building that was $500 a month to one that's valued at almost $5 million. Clap your hands. I'm here to brag on God. It's not what Rick Mayo has done. It's what the power of God has done. 
It's not what Abraham has done. It's what the God of Abraham has done. It's not what Moses did. It's what the God of Moses did. We went over and looked at this building, the whole church. Our very first service in that building, we had almost 60 people. And uh, stick up. I told the congregation, I said, now listen, I really believe that God's going to help us get this building, but we need, we need to take pledges. I can't remember how many months it was, but we needed to come up with 20% down, standard commercial loan. We didn't have a long banking history, but we had a solid banking history. I mean, it wasn't much, but it was solid. We'd never been missed, missed a, a payment or a light bill or anything. And uh, somebody in that congregation called me that morning. We were taking up the offering said, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm not, I'm not in favor of this move. Why not? You want to keep leasing? If you don't have faith, don't talk to me. My faith is too precious where I got it where it is today. I don't need a bunch of flat tires trying to, oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. That might fit in another church, but it don't fit in this one. We would have never had Summit. We would have never had SOTAD. We would have never had Bible quizzing. If I'd have listened to a bunch of flat tires. You'd have been happy in the last building because other people paid for that. I'm being real tonight. I love you. I love everybody. Man, I don't know if I can hang with this pastor. He's too real. That's the only kind of pastor there really is. But some guy that's been drinking lemonade and prune juice all night called me up and said, I'm not into this. I don't think you're going to get the money. I said, you know what? I said, I appreciate the call. I hung up. We got $20,000 in, we had 60 people. I'm counting kids, birds, a gopher in some kid's pocket from science class. We got $20,000 over. God is looking for somebody that's willing and he'll do the rest. I want somebody to clap your hands and lift your voice. I'm not talking about what we did. I'm talking about a God that's looking for somebody. Quit sucking on your lemons and get in alignment with God and let him bless your socks off. We got into that building. We paid that building off. You got to hear this. Because my wife is just a genius. And God blesses her. And God bless me for just getting out of the boat, walking on water and believing God and living right, preaching right. We paid that building off in a miraculous eight years. I want you to clap your hands and give God the praise. We bought five acres on the interstate that we own outright. We haven't been stupid.
We outgrew that building two years before we moved out of it. I was in, I was in my back office just praying, God, please, I have to move out. I opened up the blinds. The parking lot looked like a third world country where there were no parking lines. The neighbors, we could never come get them to come to church. They hated us because we were parked in their front yards all the way down to the end of the cul-de-sac. We took them cookies, a letter from the pastor. What? That's all right. There's Amalekites and Moabites still out there. Uh, we loved them. There was no problem. But we, we, we didn't have anywhere to park. That parking lot was a disaster. And we were in that building two years. And you know what? God was doing something. I look back on it now, and I realize, God, forgive me for just not being patient and believing because you were working something out. When we looked at this building, this building and the one across the street were for sale to us at the exact same time for the exact same amount of money. Now, you tell me how the odds of that happening. This building had been on the market for $3.4 million, and the owner of this building approached me and said, I'll sell it to your church for $1.9 million on an owner contract for 37 years. The church, the building across the street, they wanted cash. Exact same amount. Exact same time, that was God letting me know that when we get ready to get out of this one, we're going to go over and take over that one. And we're going to invite the entire city out. We'll feed you and burp you and pray you through. Well, Pastor, that really sounds good. How do you think we got here? See, you've been sitting here so long enjoying this. You just think it was like one of those deals where you just add water. You know, it just appeared like mold. It just appeared. No, Brother Seymour, this represents 25 years of blood, sweat, and tears fighting devils within and fighting devils without and taking a stand saying, you can say whatever you want to, but me and God are going to go up yonder and we're going to take this thing. Clap your hands and give him praise. When we got a chance to get this building, I've never seen guys more excited. Listen, the worst thing you can do with a bunch of Pentecostal men is give them hammers and axes and said, it's demo time. That's like a toga party. started tearing up stuff that we didn't want torn down. Pentecostal people, or men, are real good at tearing stuff down. Actually, they did a great job. We're, we're actually where the service department was. Kind of like how God does. He's, you know, checking under the hood, checking your oil level, seeing if you got any air. The prayer room right there 
um, is where they did all the exhaust stuff. They had all this exhaust stuff. It was a paint booth back there. This in the vestibule was a bunch of offices. I got the owner's office. It's got that special seat for real old people in the shower, which I've never used, okay? I just want to be clear on that. Pastor, I don't know if we're ready for all this. God's way out there. We're trying to play catch up. Well, we're just waiting on God. No, God's waiting on us. We're not waiting on God. That's your problem. If you'll pray through and get the pulse of the Spirit, you'll find out God says, come on out here. I've been waiting on you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I, I didn't ask for all this. I was looking for a church we could join where they didn't ask a lot, and didn't expect a lot. If I would have listened to that, we wouldn't have Cornerstone North that's running 50 to 60 every Sunday, baptizing people every week. We got daughter works now. We're not control freaks. We're all about the kingdom. I want to see this thing grow. I want to see this thing take over this city. My God is big enough. He's powerful enough. He can do all things. God's looking for a leader and a group of people that are willing to get this willingly thing going. Willingly. Well, I kind of like, you know, the way people are looking at me with all this gold. You're still a ghetto folk from Goshen. And that gold was given to you so that God could find out where you at. Oh, Pastor, I need that job. I need that position. I got that job. And then God comes through and gets you that job. God gave you that job to prove you. It's amazing how many people have a problem over one little zero. Just one. Man, I, I remember the first time I got a job, I was a new convert. Never really had a full-time job in my life. I was a professional musician. Woo! I'm crossing my eyes on that. That's a joke. Professional rock and roller. That's an excuse to get up at 3 in the afternoon and drink all night. But when I got saved, bless your heart, I went out and got a job. And the pastor taught on tithing. I thought, that cost me a lot to get out of bed. That cost me a lot to get up at 6. I can understand 6 p.m., but 6 a.m., you got the wrong guy. But I got a revelation early on about being a giver because the pa my pastor taught about that you can't outgive God and God is just looking for a medium. God is just looking for a conduit. God is just looking for somebody that believes that God is bigger. God is greater. God doesn't get glory from being poor. 
God gets glory from taking a poor person and elevating them among the pagan world and say, God did this. I came out of nothing. I didn't even have a complete education, but it's the power of God. That's where God gets the glory, is making something out of nothing. Israel. Problem with Israel, they lost their perspective. They thought it was all about them. They didn't know that God was using them as the fount of revelation and blessing to the rest of the pagan world. He was took in a, he didn't take them because they were the most among nations. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I called you because you're the fewest among all nations. But I'm going to use the fewest. I'm going to use ghetto folks from Goshen. I'm going to use folks that have been beaten on their back, had their firstborn son thrown to the crocodiles. I'm going to use those people, and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them all the way to glory. You just got an overview of of what God is doing. He's taking things that are nothing. The problem is, is we start thinking we're something. I I got a watch on this hand, and I don't have good sense. You didn't, you didn't really do that. That's your problem. And that's why we're not willing. I, I'm not talking about people, in, but I just know a congregation this size that we're dealing with spirits. We're dealing with attitudes. Moses said, we don't want just any offering." We want you to give so God can have a house. And people went to their tents and people started talking to their children and people started talking one to another and said, did we not see the power of our God? Has he not blessed it? Has he not made incredible promises? We are going to live in cities we didn't build. We're going to live in a, I'm going to live in a house I didn't build. I, I'm, I'm going to have a field that's already domesticated. It's, it's already flowing. The reason why God used the illustration of, 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 of milk and, and honey is because those are the products of domestication. There's already animals there that are domesticated under, under, under the auspices of husbandry. Somebody's taking care of my land for me. So they came. There were some people that just opened up their flap and watched as entire families brought armful of gold and silver and precious commodity. And they came and they dropped it at the feet of Moses. Family after family after family after family ad nauseum among a group of three million Jews. And the Bible tells me in Exodus 36, the children, verse number 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work. 
36 and 5, and they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. Verse 7, For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make and too much. The Bible said that there was so much given that they had to be restrained not to give. Moses said, we got enough. Everything else that you've got in your home or you got on your body is now yours. And this was the first generation of wealth of ghetto folks from Goshen. First they overcame their bitterness of the world that they were in. And when they had a moment of time, they exploited under divine favor. Then they, then they overcame an unwilling heart because there was no water at Mara and there's no east quail from an eastern wind. And now they're being reduced to manna. But there were still people that were thankful. And God said, everything else, we're done. We're done taking an offering. Everything else is yours. This was the first generation of wealth. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Second Corinthians chapter number 9 in the New Testament with the infilling of the Holy Ghost completely echoes what we have just read. Starting in verse number 6, the apostle says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Well, Pastor, I just don't have it to give. Do you have time? Can you show up with the broom? Can you change the oil on, on, a, on a bus? See, I don't believe that that is just restricted to money. I believe that, it, that it's us taking inventory and saying, I can do something. I will do something. I will find something because I'm willing to do it for God. He's worthy of everything. Whoever said it a few moments ago, Brother Chris, he's worthy of everything I got. He's worthy of every breath. He's worthy of every effort. He's worthy of everything. But see, ladies and gentlemen, you can't make people do that. It's, it's either there or it's not. Verse number seven, every man according as he has purpose in his heart. That sounds just like Exodus 25, Exodus 35, Exodus 36. Every man according as he has purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly. Well, we better just give an offering because everybody else is giving an offering. Just keep it because you ain't going to get blessed anyway. 
God does not bless people that just get on the tail end of something. God blesses people that are at the forefront of it that say, we're going to take an offering. They're on their feet. They're saying, I'm ready. Grudging. What does that mean? <laughs> it's all that talk about in that church for months. That was a real church. They'd all be dressed in white robes, having their church in a barn. No, honey, this might have been born in a barn, but it's going to end in glory. sanctuary. I was in here with a man that we had hired to do some some finish work, and uh, it was this it was all this dental molding that's around the the perimeter. And he looked at me and he said, "You want to you want to put that in this room?" I said, "Yeah, it's a total sanctuary." He said, "I ain't working for you." I said, "Why not?" He said, "The house of God is not supposed to look that nice." And he was brash. Ladies and gentlemen, I felt his spirit. And he said, our church is in a barn. And we're reaching everyone. I said, well, my God deserves better than a barn. See, this building is a representation of what I think about God. walk into some churches and big pieces of carpet need to be snatched out. Walls need to be painted and sign is hanging by one one little chain and I'm not I'm not judging to be mean. I'm trying to make a point that you're saying something to the spirit world. See, I don't think I don't think anybody should live better than the house of God looks. If I live in a nice home, you better believe that we're gonna. I'm gonna do whatever I can do to make sure that God is is first class. These pews, these pews have lumbar support for your third, your fourth, and your fifth vertebrae. And everybody that understands that, say Amen. College students, say Praise the Lord. They're comfortable. They're beautiful. They're, they are called radius pews. We wanted these radius pews to match the radius of the platform. I think it looks pretty cool. But there's always, there's always one of these guys in a group saying, what's wrong with just an old splintered, you know, just an old rough sawn wood? What's wrong with just a wood pew, man? Your backside wouldn't make it very many services. That's why. Of course, I don't even get to know what these pews feel like because I'm jumping around up here all the time. Man, no wonder some of you don't get up. Man, I don't even think I want to get up. Come on, Bradford, help me out. These pews were almost $100,000. Well, you're not spending God's money very wisely. 
I don't know about that. How are you spending God's money? We support probably more missionaries that I could name in the next 20 minutes. When you see how many home missionaries are going to be here for Summit that we are footing the bill for, don't give me that nonsense. You got the wrong spirit. Judas, worried about the little bag of silver when Jesus is in the room. Some of you are going to get another opportunity to get it right with this next building program. I'd make sure that I'm coming out of this thing with gold, with blood, with water, and with spirit. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Because we are going into another program, and God is going to give us the victory. Three different mechanisms of giving in this church. I was going to wait till next next week, but I'm going to get it out there this week. There's tithing, there's offering, and then there's the shekel of the sanctuary described in Exodus chapter number 20. It was actually it was actually a redemptive offering because it was given on the Day of Atonement, but it was for the maintenance of the sanctuary. There are a lot of people that think, man, that's a nice church. I'm sure glad the pastor bought that for us. I didn't buy this. I couldn't afford this. This is your church. When I'm dead and gone, this building stays with Cornerstone. It's not in Rick Mayo's name. It's in Cornerstone's name. Well, pastor, I just, we just never, we don't really care about all that. We don't even think about it. You need to know about this. This is your church. And when you provide a great place for your children to come to church, they can get involved with Sunday school, they can be involved with Bible quizzing, you are, you are providing for your household. You not being an infidel means more than you not supplying 2% milk. It means that you're not providing a place to go to church, a place where they can be saved, a place where they can hear truth, a place where they can be filled with the Holy Ghost, a place where we can go to heaven. There's more to that than just buying Gerber baby food. It means having enough on the ball spiritually to know my family needs us to be saved. My community needs us. I got a revelation of truth. Thank God there's a man here. Thank God there's a, a couple that came here and wanted to do something instead of just getting a political position in an organization and playing games. giving grudgingly or of necessity. Well, I wasn't really going to give, but somebody else has. There you go. There's, there's your offering. Don't. Just keep it. Go to the prayer room. Keep your offering. And when you get the right spirit, when you give, God will bless you. And I would much rather see you get blessed than seeing you not blessed. I wish everybody in this church was driving a Mercedes. Why not? 
I got this. I've never owned really a brand new vehicle, but I got a 2014 F-150. Does everything but rub my back. And I'm thankful for Brother Tim Kilroy that sold me that truck. You would have told me 20 years ago that I'm going to be driving a truck that nice. You know why God let me have that truck? Because I want to see I want to see people in this church have nice stuff. I want to see people in this church be blessed. A blessed church is a happy church. Really what it comes down to is many people have never been taught. You, they don't look at God through the right, correct perspective of the word of God to know what God is doing. They don't know what God is doing in the earth. God wants to take your life. And God wants to take that guy and so bless his wheels off and exalt him into positions and blessings that he could never get on his own. That when he finally gets up there, he looks at everybody else and says, man, if you believe in this God like I did, God will do the same thing for you. That is God's advertisement. That's how God gets advertisement. Him to church. Invite your landlord to church. If he gets the Holy Ghost, man, you're you're gonna have it made in shape. Pay your bills on time. That's weak. That was that was weaker than the wine at the wedding before Jesus touched it. Pay your bills on time. If you got more checks and you got money, get rid of the checks. Some of you single guys are in trouble right now because I'm walking down your road. You you should not have a girlfriend if you don't have a job. Well, how are you guys going to make it? Well, Pastor, she's got a good job. I'm sorry. My wheels are going all over the road tonight. It's still good anyway. Say amen. Let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. If you want to wonder if God, I don't know if God loves me, give cheerfully. And we got into this building. I got pictures of it. We'll probably have them at our anniversary service. We'll probably have a huge deal that's got pictures of where we came from. We got pictures of every building. Every every picture of every in our first sanctuary. There's probably only one or two people, maybe maybe four or five people that are still even in this church, that were in the very first building. There was a guy that got, got 
the Holy Ghost and got healed, our very first service in Spokane, and we ended up baptizing over 30 of his family members, some of which were Hell's Angel kind of people. Man, they were like six foot six. Dude looked like a cross between Hulk Hogan and somebody really fat. And I had to tell this man one time, you know, we don't make drugs anymore. You're supposed to go out and get a job. And he obeyed his pastor and went out and got a job. And I noticed that he had started to miss um, a few services. I called him up. I won't mention his name. I love this man dearly. If he walked in, if he walked in here tonight, he'd fall at his feet and start weeping. That's how much I love this man. But I said, you know, uh, we've been missing you at church. What's going on? I said, you know, Pastor, um, I'm doing manual labor. I'm breaking down pallets. And I said, you know, that's a respectable job. He said, I know, but I, it, it's, it's hurting me. I can't, I can't move around. I can't, I can't come to church. And I said, um, God spoke to me in prayer to say something to him that I've never said since, and I'll share it with you. I told him, I said, um, I noticed you're not paying your tithes. And when you, when you came, you were on drugs, family, three or four of them died of cancer, all kinds of stuff. God got you a job. We married you. He had two or three children with a woman that he wasn't even married to. We married him. Got him where he was legit. God was blessing. God was moving. I said, the Holy Ghost told me to tell you that if you don't start paying your tithes, you're going to lose everything you got. pastor just wants money. No. You don't understand. You are looking through the eyes of flesh. Don't even know what that book says. God doesn't need your money. God wants to know if you'll obey him. Now Pharaoh was asking for a fifth, Brother Pyatt. His cut was a fifth. Tithing is only a tenth. In fact, the word tithe means tenth. And ladies and gentlemen, the way I teach it, the way I see it in Scripture, because it's the law of the first fruits, you pay your tithes first. And you pay Nancy Pelosi last. That woke some of you up. I'm almost done. Really, I'm not trying to play on your patience here. I told... I told this gentleman, I said, if you don't start paying your tithe, and God spoke to me. You see, when I first came here, there was a lot of radical things that took place. You know what? I look back at retrospect for the last 20 years, and I've looked at it. You know what God was doing, Sister Kari? God was putting apostolic authority. And I've been telling all these home missionaries that are going out of this church, when you get there, you do not quit because you are going to have to overcome every single thing that your predecessor caved into. We had to overcome camp compromise. We overcame Hollywood. We overcame politics. We overcame preaching against fornication and adultery that was going on in other churches. 
in this city. just some things that the man understands that you may never understand, but somewhere you learn not to trust authority. You can trust this one. Because this little 105-pound package of fury over here loves me all the way. And we just, we just, we both have an agreement that we love God more than we love each other. We're not going to let each other off the hook. Hey, what was that? Hey, what was that? No, she's, it's, everybody look at your wife, and every wife look at your husband and say, that's right. Okay, I'm almost done. So I told, I told this man, I said, I am, I, pardon me for chasing every rabbit in this room. I apologize, I'm almost done. Hopefully you found this somewhat interesting and somewhat spiritually educational tonight. My form of pedagogy is, is a little different. So I told this guy, I loved him dearly. I said, I'm telling you this because I love you and I want you to be blessed and I want you to have God's favor on your life. We'll talk next week about how if you don't pay your tithes, God considers you a thief. See, he allows you to be a thief. When you spoil, that word spoil means to plunder. It means to take what's not yours. When you're spoiling and God lets you do it. But if you start stealing from God, Achan died, his wife died, his children died, his dog died, his canary died, his hamster that went around in circles died. Everything in his household died. Because God said, this is what I do to people that touch the accursed thing. So a couple weeks went by, and I called him back up. I said, listen, what's going on? He said, you know what, Pastor? He said, we've been thinking we're going to move. And, you know, people, people that move, it's, moving's just a fact of life if the reasons are right. But a lot of people get the wrong reasons. And they find out that when they get where they think they want to go, that spiritually the equation is not balanced in their favor. So they try to get lost in an occupation or the pursuit of an education or some sideline deal to find meaning and purpose, knowing all the while in their spirit that something ain't adding up, something is not right. So he said, we're, we're thinking about moving to California. And I said, well... There's a good church there. I recommend um, I'll get you the name of the pastor and everything. I hate to see you go. You know how much we love you and your family. And, but he was, he was upset. He was upset that I was starting to be a pastor. Two years later, two, three years later somewhere, don't mean to confabulate, but I'm getting older. I was invited to preach a meeting down in Sacramento. And I walked into the sanctuary. I got in in the afternoon. I walked in in the sanctuary. The lights were off in the sanctuary. But I could see coming down the middle aisle, the large form of a man on a cane. 
I saw that it was him, we hugged each other. Told him I loved him. And he, he was crying through sobs. He said, Pastor Mayo, I've lost everything. My wife is in the arms of another man. My children got taken away. They're with the state. I don't have a home. I don't have a car. I don't have a job. I lost my health. I never said anything. I just told him I loved him. And I watched him walk out of my life forever as he walked out. He was there to meet me. He walked out that door, and I've never seen that man again in over 20 years. I think it's wise to understand the goodness and the severity of what we're dealing with. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't see a lot of that. Worries me. There's just some things. God has a plan that is more important than our singular individual life. He wants us to be part of his plan. That's what we're doing here. But we have to play by the rules from here all the way to glory. And when you get into alignment and you learn to discipline yourself and you consecrate yourself and you accept his word, his will, and his ways, God will bless your socks off. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and just give him praise. Great God. Come on, let's give him praise. I love you, Jesus. Nobody like you. God, I'm asking you, I've been praying. I've been praying the last, the last several weeks. I've been praying every morning. God, open up the windows of heaven. Pour out blessing on your people. Pour out favor on your people. Pour out the goodness of God on your people. If it's material blessing, so be it. If it's, if it's peace, so be it. If it's more Holy Ghost, so be it. Whatever it is, God, bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless your people. Let's lift our hands. Let's love God together. Oh, Jesus, open up the windows of heaven and bless Cornerstone. Bless every family. Bless every marriage. Bless every young person. Bless them, God. Bless them with that distinctive savour of your blessing. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that wants to come and pray. This altar is open to you. In the name of Jesus, God, I love you. I praise you for the rest of my days. It's all yours, God. It's all yours. Than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore.